What's up, guys, and welcome back. You are listening to episode number 33 of the Origins of the Hunt podcast. This week, I sit down with Chris Wiest of Pennsylvania. Me and Chris dive into his 2023 season from losing confidence with his traditional equipment and picking up his dad's backup compound bow and uh, just bringing the fun back into the hunt and taking some pressure off and was able to capitalize that next morning, uh, you know, about a 10-yard chip shot for his Pennsylvania buck this year. Uh, Chris had to get away from, like many of us did, you know, from chasing chasing ghosts or being obsessed with a, for, with a particular buck or a class of buck that just simply wasn't there in your area or, you know, or didn't exist to now, you know, just trying to focus on taking a mature animal in the, in the area that you're hunting or the state that you're hunting. And I think that just comes in, you know, along with maturing as a hunter as well. I think we all have different levels of maturing as hunters as we go through through the years of, of doing it and, and, and it all comes with with getting the experience, I think. And remember guys, also, if you are in the market for a new broadhead this upcoming season, head over to recbroadheads.com and use code ORIGINHUNT on your next purchase, save yourself a little bit of money. Also, if you are liking what's going on at the Origins of the Hunt, please leave a five-star rating as well as a written review and a follow wherever you are tuning into your podcast. Let's get to it. Alrighty, guys, what's going on? This week we are joined by Chris Wiest. Chris is another Pennsylvania uh, resident. What's going on, man? Oh, just uh, enjoying the snowy Saturday night, I guess. Yeah, I, I saw your story this morning. And like ten hours ago, you you were you were in the stand and there was no snow. And then by the end of the night, it looked like a blizzard out there. We didn't. We definitely did not get the weather that you guys did out there. That's for sure. Oh yeah, it was putting it down for sure. We probably got, man, we had to have gotten 10 inches. Yeah, really? Holy shit. Are you in yeah. any elevation where you're at? No, nothing crazy. I mean, no, I think no. our tallest mountain here is like maybe 24 to 2,600 feet. Okay. Yeah, we we have a dusting. It's it's nothing crazy, but. but. So how long uh, you want to, how long you've been hunting? You want to give us a little background, how you got into it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty. Uh, similar to, to most guys, you know, growing up hunting around my dad and stuff. And I think at, at one point he was probably showing me in his coat when I was a baby. I think he told me, taking me out rabbit hunting and stuff. Yep. But, uh, yeah, pretty much just uh, trial and error growing up and uh, got a bow when I was young, you know, 11, 12 years old, planking around. And, and I'm killing my first, uh, first buck with a bow when I was about 16. And that's pretty much all that took. I knew that I was going to do that the rest of my life. Yeah, that's and, all it uh, took. Oh, yeah. It took a couple of years, though. You know, it took four or five years to get my first one. I shot a lot. Shot over top of a lot of them. Shot underneath a lot of them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, shot some, just shot some good bucks over the years. And then it just come to a point now where uh, I think, like a lot of other guys, you just want to take it kind of the next step. You, know, you see guys killing all these big bucks and wanted to be a part yeah. of it myself. And once you start finding them, you, know, you got to figure out how to hunt them and kill them. Yeah, that's the that's the secret. It's easy to I don't I, I don't want to say that like a cocky way, but it's easy to find deer and but it's a, it's a whole nother story to kill them. Every year I get it would be, you know, one of my biggest bucks ever if I would end up being able to hunt them down and kill them. But it seems like every year there's multiple deer that I'm just like, holy shit, where'd they come from? And then they disappear and you know exactly how they got how they got to that size and we, we talked a little bit before we were recording about just the, the, the size difference of, of parcels that we, we have and we hunt. Like you said, uh, you have a lot more public that you can, if you get on a deer, you can just go uh, any direction you really need and, and, and hunt that deer. And unfortunately it's just, we, we have, we're like you said, we're boxed in where I'm at and it's, it's, it's definitely challenging. Is that something you grew up doing, you know, running the mountains or did you grow up on uh you know like private farms or anything like that so we have a family farm here we have around 200 acres and uh yeah i started here on the farm but mm -hmm. as my interest went towards spotting bigger more mature deer you know every once in a while we have one pop up here and there and uh my dad's taken a couple good ones in the area and taken one good one off the farm but it, it doesn't really hold a lot of big mature deer, just how the property is set up with kind of like the roads surrounding things like that. So uh, he used to take me out on the public and like 
rifle season or like or that early muzzleloader or whatever. Basically, just started exploring, and uh, I just, I mean, to me, that was just what we did at that point. You know, I mean, that was the other ground that we could hunt was right. all the surrounding, all the surrounding public. So, kind of just ended up growing up hunting all the public that surrounded the the home place here. Yeah, I don't think I know we we would go. Dad would go after like morels every once in a while, and we'd go in public for that, and maybe some small game hunting. But I didn't step foot on public actually hunting for deer until my mid, actually my late twenties probably, and it was just because I feel like there was so much, there wasn't a lot of opportunity around here, but it wasn't as, I guess you, it wasn't as competitive to get, to go knock on somebody's door or, you know, talk to talk to the guy at work that his his neighbor doesn't have anybody that cares if they if you know the hunts on their property and. It just is not like that anymore. It is. It's. I don't want to say cutthroat, but it's. It's. If you, you, you there's nothing about posted signs everywhere you go. You know mm-hmm. what I mean. So back then we didn't have to worry about public as much. I feel. I feel like, but, but now it's, it's becoming a lot of people's last resort. And I know it was a kind of a trend. Everybody's kind of jumped on the bandwagon and got in, got into public land hunting, but, in all reality, it is some people's last last and only resort and i mean like you said you have 200 acres a farm i have a small couple little farms that i can hunt so i'm very lucky and i can hunt at where i work but yeah some people just don't have don't have that luxury and and you were lucky enough you know your dad you said took you out as a kid to to explore and just and do that kind of thing did you uh did he did, he, did i know you're a big traditional hunter did he traditional hunt at all no 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 he i mean he had a uh had shot some deer uh with a bow um he was always like your more traditional rifle hunter he grew up as a kid as a big rifle hunter and uh i got a bunch of uncles so they all rifle hunted together uh even uh, my uncles i don't think were real big bow hunters or anything um so i probably took over the hardcore archery aspect but um I mean, even now, my dad bow hunts, you know what I mean? But he's he's a lot more into it, I feel like, now that I'm a little bit older, for sure. Right. What? Uh, when was it? I saw a post that you, you made, a, you know, someone made a comment or you were talking about. You made the decision to kind of not give up compound hunting, but make a, main, a, a majority of your hunts traditional. I mean, was there a, just a challenge you wanted to add? Was there, you know, what was the reasoning in that? I mean, I love traditional archery, and like well, we had talked before we started, uh, you know, originally I thought I'd only been shooting for about five years, but I had a, a Facebook memory pop up of me in a, in a tree of the recurve seven years ago. I just, I've just always kind of had one to play with. I've always shot and hunted a little bit here and there, and then um, and the feeling is way different. Like, I, I promise you, the shooting one at 10 yards with a uh, compound and shooting one at 10 yards with a recurve is just a completely different scenario for me anyhow I'm sure. uh, yeah, i shot a shot a couple of does with a recurve that just it put probably met more than me than shooting some of these 115 120 inch bucks i've taken over the years with a compound so it's really just a feeling for me um i think i was really just trying to prove something to myself this season mm-hmm. is you know i i had killed my number one buck two years in a row and i was just like not that it was easier or nothing. You know, I mean, all that stuff, you know, there's a story behind every deer. But uh, in my head, man, like, I can't think of a more exciting, emotional, just crazy moment for me than if I could stick a giant with a recurve in the mountains of, like, PA or yeah. Ohio. Like, knock on wood, this is co- confidence, not cocky. Right. I'm going to shoot a giant. I'm going to shoot a giant in my lifetime with a recurve because at some point, you know, I, I'm going to set aside everything. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was this year. You know, <laughs> I had. You know, everybody probably already knows that now. I had like uh, like sixty some sits in a tree, and uh, I was just having some shooting problems. Confidence was kind of like in the grave, and uh, I told my dad, I was like, man. I was like, I just kind of want to sit in a tree and just feel like I could kill whatever walked by for like a day or two. And uh, the next morning, man, uh, the buck I ended up taking, he come running 10 yards. 
It's kind of like, man, if I just stuck if, it out one more day. If I would have stuck, yeah, I, I saw that post. I'm like, oh, man, he's probably kicking himself in the ass because it was just that. Oh, yeah. It was that every archery hunter's worst nightmare is just the the one more or you know should i really climb down right now or should i is it time to let my bow down or should i am i making that should i go to this stand or that spot and it's it's it is by far the hardest decision i've stood i've stood on the edge of like a parking lot just looking trying to make a decision which way to go and you know you're probably making the right you always felt like you're making the wrong one but yeah that was something i definitely want to talk about i mean what I you kind of already hit it on you know what what why you made that decision was to kind of gain your confidence back was it so you were you uh you were just missing was it just uh you were smart feeling the the traditional equipment well I was hunting a pretty big deer um there's a couple big ones I was hunting this year and this the deer that I was hunting was uh I think we might get to this towards the end but I'm fairly certain this deer got harvested uh i've not seen a picture to confirm that yet but i keep hearing people say 170 now the deer's not 170 because i got right. too many too many pictures of this thing <laughs> people get excited and exaggerate oh, yeah. how it is oh, but yeah yeah uh i had what well, i don't even know how you want to start this but i had shot two bucks in maryland earlier in the season okay and i made two bad shots i, I shot one in the back straps and then a couple of weeks later, I had shot one low in the shoulder, kind of like around that joint, mm -hmm. and it stuck in and come right back out. Yep. And which is whatever, you know. And then I had shot a doe here on the farm, and I got my confidence up. But then, at even at home, I was kind of having some issues with I don't know if it was target panic or if I was rushed or what was going on, but something was just different uh, than usual. And I had a doe come in on like the thursday before i shot my buck and she come in i don't know eight nine yards she got a little bit too close to the tree picked me out but then she went out to i think 14 yards she didn't know what i was or anything like that but i i took a shot at her i'm like all right i'm gonna shoot this doe get my confidence back and i just completely blew it man like i just straight out Whip. just missed this thing yep. yeah and dude, my, my confidence was just like, I feel like it hit me in the bottom of the boots when I was in the Yeah, exactly. I know what you mean. <laughs> and in my head was like, it's the first week in November. And I said, I have no confidence in what I'm holding in my hand. I said, I, I'm scared to death that, you know, this giant buck that I'm hunting is going to walk in and I'm going to either miss or right. worse yet for me, gut shoot it. You know yeah. what I mean? And I don't know. I just, I needed like a reset button almost. Mm -hmm. And I know they call it the struggle stick and you, know, you stick it out, whatever. But in my head, man, I was just like, I just need like a day or two to, to hit the reset button. And I, I, I really did sell all my stuff. Like I didn't have anything, but I had had a bow I bought and given to my dad years ago. And I said, Hey dad, I was like, I'm going to grab that bow out of the shed, shoot a couple shots. And so I just want something to sit beside me, the tree that makes me feel good. <laughs> right. Yep. And uh, he was like, yeah, I know, whatever. I shot a couple shots and uh, took it with me. And like I said, man, next morning I was in the tree with it for, for 20 minutes and that buck come in 10 yards. 10 yards. And, <laughs> yep. Hey. But that's how it happens. Yeah. That's what, I don't, that's what you needed that. All in all, I don't regret it. I still feel the same about that buck, you know? Either way, yeah. it was a good mature deer, good good representation to the area. Yep. That's all I needed. Yep. Exactly that, and that's what it's all about. That's whatever how everybody's mentality should be. And so you mentioned target panic. I'm not not a traditional hunter. Don't really know much about it. Still kind of learning before I decide if I want to dive into it. What is because I know target panic, and I have I get target panic, but it's when I start shooting targets too long and i'll get that flyer and then i'll just i'll just overthink it and i and i punch the trigger and, and start pulling shots what how what is in your in your i guess opinion or what what is target panic when when it comes to traditional hunting uh if you're an instinctual shooter i don't i guess you can call it target panic but a, a lot of it is uh your release Okay. So, because I mean, you're not using a sight; you're on aiming. Right. Um, 
device, you know what I mean? You're just, you're staring at a spot that you want to hit. Um, you know, maybe getting right before you're getting to anchor, whether that's a finger to the corner of your mouth or a feather to the nose, whatever, you're kind of like beating it to the punch. You know what I mean? Okay. You're, you're, yep. you're plucking, you're like plucking the string. You're, you're like trying to send it off before, you know I mean? Prematurely. Right. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with it. It gets you almost like worked up or you have some kind of anxiety where you feel like you have to rush it and you don't get quite to your anchor and you just really like, like rip or let go of the string, which is, you know, when you start plucking a string, things like that, you're going to start getting, whether you're right-handed or left-handed, you'll get lefts or rights out of that. Yeah, I can only imagine it's probably just like a, you know, a, a compound that when you release that air, you know pretty damn fast if it's if it's nope. going on mark or not. And I've done it. I don't know what it is. I'll just I'll just for whatever reason hit my hit my trigger way too early sometimes. And it's like we talked before. I know a lot of guys black out when they shoot when they hunt. And if I go out and I shoot for say in the summer. I don't shoot often. I'll shoot a couple hours, you know, throughout the week, every couple of days. And it's just like randomly like week three, there'll just be one time I'll draw back and I won't even be anchored. I'll just punch it. And my air is like sticking in the ground or, or in the corner of the target. I'm like, what the heck is that all about? And, and I, and I usually, what I do, I just take a break from, I take a break from shooting because I get into the mindset of, I'm shooting fine. Why am I still shooting? Because I know how I get and I just, I beat myself up once I get that flyer and target panic. I've, I've always been okay in the woods. You know what I mean? Cause I don't have mm -hmm. to overthink. I get that one shot and I don't have to, I don't have the time usually to overthink it. Now, right. I, I, I can't say I've ever had to watch a buck walk in from like a ver from, you know, from hundred, some 200 yards away. Cause I, I don't know how I, how well I would hold up watching, you know, 130, I 140. It. And <laughs> I hate that. It's It's got to be close and impersonal and quick. It's yeah. got to happen within a couple second window. Yeah. I can't handle myself. Right. Like, yeah. I was actually talking to my dad about that. It's just almost a little bit embarrassing to talk about. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, like, especially with a traditional bow, like I get like more excited than I would having a compound right. in my hand. Mm -hmm. And if I'm the slightest bit cold, and then I have just, I mean, even the slightest bit of adrenaline come through my body. I will shake uncontrollably to the point where I'm cursing myself out saying, you fucking dumbass, what are you doing? And I'm just, I can't control it. So like, when I have a shot opportunity, it's got to happen fast, man. Yeah. Because if I have to watch a buck come from any kind of distance and it's cold and I'm excited, I'm going to be like the whole time. I'm going to be shaking. It's, it's like, it's my legs. I'll get one of my knees will just start kind of like uncontrollably going. I'm like, I know they're going to see me, but I, what I've done is I just limit myself. I just don't put myself in very many opportunities where I can see <laughs> that. <laughs> I just, I got one spot that I really, I hunt and it's not that often, but I can see a little bit. And I've just been lucky enough that nothing's ever crossed that field and came the whole way across. At least nothing that's of the, size. That's the whole reason we do it, right? We want that right. feeling. Yeah, if I ever stop doing that, then it's probably right. time to give it up, right? But exactly. it's like it could it could definitely hold off until after the shot's gone. Yeah, <laughs> that would, exactly. That would yeah. be helpful. <laughs> and I'm I'm perfectly fine with keeping the 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 quick and fast adrenaline rush rather than the drawn out. It's probably not good. It's probably better for your heart to just get it over with anyway. Oh, that's the way that you know that buck I shot this year. It had happened in literally a five-second window. It was like, here he comes. He's not running, but he's moving. He's got right. somewhere to be. And I grab the bow, I draw, I stop, and wham, it's done. Didn't even have yep. time to get shook up or nothing. You know what I mean? You, uh, you said you were – when you, were, you, you went back to traditional and you shot a doe, I think it was, it was this year on, on the farm, and that was back with – was that a hand-me-down bow from from your grandpa? I, I think I saw on the post. Yeah, so my my pap was like a big garage sale guy. Like he was always at like flea markets and all kinds of stuff. So I have no idea where the bow actually come from. Right. But he he had it, you know, for a couple of years probably. And then when I was a kid, yeah, 
I would always go visit him and I would always come home with stuff. Like he was just like, Oh, Hey, I got this, you know, take this uh-huh. with you. And, uh, one day he gave me that bow and, uh, man, that thing sat in my hunting shed for years. I'm talking at least probably 10, 12 years, uh, since when I had got it. And, uh, it's really light. It's 34 pounds, but that's at 28. So at my draw length, I was uh, drawing 41 pounds out of it, which is light. Um, but you know, with the technology nowadays and the information on arrow setups and stuff, yeah. I was a little, iffy, I was a little iffy, but I talked oh, to yeah. some guys that swear by shooting 40 pound bows and yeah, I had a, I had a doe come in at 15 yards and I tell you what, man, it sunk that arrow clear to the fletchings. I was surprised oh, yeah. 40 yards and piled up. Yeah, I I thought that was the one you you were talking about when you said that, that it got your confidence up, but it, and it almost meant more to you than the kill of you know the whole thing meant more to you than than that that that's one thing because I think I, I don't know if we were recording when I talked about I've talked about it before on on other podcasts how my dad was either against he was always against archery hunting and I never so I didn't have any kind of hand me down archery stuff. And I, I got, a, I got a couple old rifles, but I haven't taken, I, I would take my old 3030 iron sight out, uh, for like a, a walk if it was nice every once in a while. But that thing, it's, it's only shot a deer, one, one deer in the past 12 years. It's only been in the woods a couple of times. I mean, I just, I don't take it out much, but that's, that's the only hand-me-down stuff I have. I always wish it. Like I got some buddies and, and some people I know. They got old, old, old like bears, like that, like you had. What what year was that? Like in the mid fifties, six fifty three. And that that's about the years that I, they got hanging in the garage and and the, the yep. story that go behind it. And like you said, you don't even know where that boat came from. If that boat could talk, what? Oh, I'm sure. Uh, it, it's probably been. Who knows how many deer it's killed before social media that nobody knew that little Billy Bob down the road shot 120 inch deer and it was the talk of the town, but that was it. Just the talk of the town. It's the same way with like, uh, you said about rifles. I got a couple hand-me-down rifles in the family. It's a lot, a lot of it's like sentimental stuff for me. I'm, I'm really right. into that stuff. Yeah. I, uh, that's what I'm like trying to build for my family guns. I'm trying to build that from, for my, my sons now just, worrying about what hunting will be when they get of age and, yep. and, and our age, you know, up in their, in their twenties and thirties. And it's, it's definitely going to be a, a scary thing to think about when we're gone, what, what hunting is. But the only thing I can do is just try to give them the knowledge that I have and that I've gained over the time. And, and hopefully even if they don't hunt, they can look at, that's what I keep always thinking. Look at my old bows, the bows we use now. And when we're in our 60s and 70s, 80s, what are they going to be? What what is a bow going to be at that point? And uh, watching yep. watching the children look at them and said, you know, making fun well, of those. Those now can't get any damn worse. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> we're shooting I'm the sorry. Yours now. I'm sorry. I I was tell everybody I talked to. I think the biggest scam in the hunting industry are bows, especially new bows. I mean, I was at a store. Friday, yes, yeah, yes. On Friday, I was at a store, and I was looking at the like the new Hoyts and Matthews, and just looking at price tags. I think it is absurd that people are going out every year and buying these. I know guys are killing more deer with their twelve-year-old bows than the guys that have to have the newest gear. And don't get me wrong, it's it's good to have nice gear. If you, if you know what I mean, if especially if you're just starting out and you don't have any other options and you, you want to just mm-hmm. go out and buy quality stuff. But a lot of guys I know, they, they have hand me down bows from their old man, they're 12 years old, 10 years, eight years old, throw some new strings on them every couple of years. But I don't know, don't get me started on that. I, I just think these new gadgets every year, just I think some of them are just going overboard. It's just, I don't nope, know. 100%. It is not the gear. It's the archer because yeah. that buck that I shot this season that I with the bow that I borrowed from my dad, that bow is 58 pounds. It's I think it's 10 or 11 years old. And I shot that deer with a 540 grain gold tip that I built and it blew clear to the knock. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, 
same way. The bow that I used yeah, for a couple of years, it was a 10 year old bow until a couple of years ago. And that was just because I got so into it that I, I still have that bow. You know what I mean? I'm not going to get rid of it. I like to take it out every once in a while, just in, it's almost like what people do with their old traditional bows, I guess, that have bows from, from a history, you know, from back in the day, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll take it out on the one set a year to see if a, a doe or, or that lucky buck walks by. I'll do that with my, my, my bow, but yeah, I, I just don't get me started on the new, the new gear. I, I'll be at the great American outdoor show looking at all of it. So I'm, I'm just as bad to, I'm just as bad to blame as, as everybody else, I guess. But yeah, so we'll keep, we'll keep on the keeping it simple. I know, you know, you traditional hunter, you know, you, you, you like to keep things simple. You don't, we talked about self-filming. You said before you said how it, you, it, you do it for the first couple sits, 10, 15 sits, and then you just the hell of carrying this camera gear. And I get the same way. I carried my camera gear every time I went in the woods this year, except the time I killed my buck. So, I mean, that just shows you maybe it wasn't meant to be. So keeping simple this year for you was when you went to Ohio and, and you just pretty much went in there. Have you ever been to that piece that you went in? Yeah. So that area in general, uh, I have hunted for probably two years or at least scouted. Okay. But that specific setup that I was in, I didn't step foot in all of this season other than the spring. I went in and basically just scouted those points and took a note and laid pins of uh, some beds and known buck bedding, basically. And then I had been it for that season. No cameras or nothing over there. Yeah, and you just you played the wind and, and just did, you know, pretty much from, from what I was taking out of it, you just did what, what the, uh, I don't know, if it's like in blackjack, what the book tells you to do. You know, it's like in hunting. What what you think you should have did, you just went in and did it and, it, and it worked. And I don't know what it is about Ohio, but I've seen... I think three, you probably the fourth person that I've heard or seen talk to that that's, that's how they killed their buck in Ohio this year. It was, it was mostly rifle. I think one, one guy did it, uh, with a bow, but the other guy, they just went in and just read what they thought they should do. And, and it, and it worked out when you go out of state, are, are, you said you didn't run any cameras this year. You scouted in the past. Have you ran cameras in the past? Yeah, so no, I run a ton of cameras. I just hadn't run any in that specific piece. Okay, that's what I'm. I'm wondering. So when you go to say Ohio, I know you you you've hunted a little bit of Maryland, and you hunt out of state. Are you are you soaking cameras at all? You know, before for maybe a year before you go, or are you just doing maybe the season the, the summer off? Uh, I don't think uh, specifically that I've let a soaker sit for that long. I'm more of I'm gonna I'm gonna find the deer. I'm gonna know. I'm gonna put my cameras out. You know, in July, August, I'm gonna figure out what's in the area, and then go from there. You know, I'm, I'm, you almost have to stay on the deer's heels mm -hmm. because, like we talked uh, before, we got on the air is is that shift, and some even different areas I find the deer shift at different times. Like specifically in Maryland, there's a specific buck that I get on camera the last two seasons, and he shifts at the same exact time. It's literally two to three days before the season opener, he will shift. He kicked my butt last year, and he kicked my butt this year. I don't know where he goes to because I run cameras, you know, other spots rather than, than where I get right. him in the summer, and I have yet to pick that deer back up. So I don't know. It's a big mountain system, so he could shift a good two, three miles if he really wanted to, and it would be super easy for him. Oh yeah, but, it's a hell of a walk for you. But they get down into those little systems, and they can they know how to use that terrain way better than we do. Right, right. So I was actually talking to one of my buddies about this the other day about I think being true to myself. What is my style of hunting? I really don't have any. I want to say like really fancy uh, scientific tactics, anything like that. I am a hundred percent. Like I just spend a ton of time in the timber. I'm running cameras. 
I'm reading Fresh Shine, and I'm hot in volume. I, and I don't want hot in volume because I feel like I have to. That's just what I do because I love to be in the woods. And if I miss a day, I drive myself nuts. Yeah. So I'm, I'm basically just staying on these deer. You know, I'm trying to stay on top of these deer as long as I can until I get my opportunity. And it, it works for me every single year. I think since I've been 12 years old, uh, even here, like here in PA since I've been 12, I have killed a buck every single year to this date. And wow. I want to say all but maybe five were on public. Jesus, so it's just, man. It's just yeah. staying on them. You know what I mean? For me, it's volume. So what is, what's your biggest tip then to staying on them? Because I know personally I have that issue and I know guys that I talk to have that issue. Uh, my one buddy in particular has a buck that he's, he's watched for two years and he gets them right up until season and he's on him, on him, on him, and poof, he disappears. And right now, he's getting pictures of him feeding in his boss's yard. And he just—he's where did he go? You know, he just—and he runs the same way. He runs cameras, but it's like, it sounds like that Maryland deer that you run into just might just be using a system. But what I mean, are you what are you doing to to stay on these deer? How are you staying ahead of them? I guess because that seems like that's the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. But it gets like the only specific part of that is if you're hunting a good buck or if you're hunting a specific buck also. So obviously, if you're hunting a specific buck, you're going to be, uh, you know, doing more specific things for that deer. You're going to have to run cameras in different locations, figure out what that deer's personality is, what he likes to do. Um, but if you're just hunting a good deer, then I'm just staying on fresh sign. Like it, a lot of times for me. I've always said this. It, I think it takes three whole seasons to really figure out a new area. I agree. You, know, it, 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 you can't, I mean, you can kill a buck every year on that piece, but to really figure out what's going on, what they do, how they travel, and where they like to be at different times of the season, I think it takes three solid seasons. Um, and like going back to that, I think it just takes the boot work. Yep. You know what I mean? Because deer are going to be shifting food sources. Yeah, they might like Betting. this. Yep, they might like this ridge top for scrapes this time of year. Once the foliage drops, you get that first frost. They might not hit their scrapes on the top anymore because it's too wide open for them. They don't feel secure anymore. Yeah, their bedding, might be, their bedding changes. That's like one of the biggest things the too. And like early season, I have more than one area that I hunt. And this is how I killed my buck last season. Is I know a place, you know, I'll, I'll have an area that holds really good bucks in the summer, and they stay there until maybe like that first, second week of October tops. But as soon as you get that first frost, there's some specific vegetation in that area that dies off as soon as the frost hits it. Well, now their cover's gone, so now they're shifting. Yep. So those kind of areas I actually focus on. First, those are my first areas that I'm focusing on. If I have a shooter buck in that area, those are the first places I'm hitting because I know if I'm going to kill that deer, I have to kill that deer within the first week or two before that frost hits, kills, and then they shift to get out of the area. Now, now I know you're hunting a lot of public. That's, that's way bigger than what I'm used to. So when they shift, are you just looking? Uh, are you getting on e scouting and, and looking for? you know, where the new, the next most desirable bedding would be, or are you just more or less burning that boot rubber, you know, trying to get on the sign? Well, I think it takes both. You know I mean? I'm, I'm probably going to get on my, on my phone. I'm going to find mm -hmm. the next, the next thickest piece closest to the last bedding. And then you got to get in there and you got to start reading sign as you know, if, the perfect situation, perfect scenario would be to find a good scrape next to that next closest bedding. Right. Or, uh, you know what I mean? And, and run a camera on that. I probably 95% of my cameras go on scrapes. Unless I'm mm -hmm. hunting a specific deer, then I'll start running like video mode on my SDs on maybe uh, a trail that's, you know, 40, 50 yards down over. Uh, the hill side of a scrape where a you know, big buck's not going to come up on top and check out in the daylight, which you might get uh, film of him on the, on the side of the hill sneaking through where he can catch all that thermal coming down to him. You know, he's checking it without being present. Right. Have you, are you big into hunting one, one deer or are you 
are you more just you're targeting mature deer for the for the area that you're hunting so this year is like a really good representation of that so i i had a couple really really big deer on camera this year and one in particular that i got a little bit of history with i have not had any encounters with him but i have a shed from him last season and i have some uh i say i got some trail camera pictures and a lot of scouting involved in this deer anyhow um but you know i'll, I'll only hunt a deer a specific deer for so long it, you know if that deer is huntable and he's like he's flirting with you know daylight or he's flirting with right when they're getting dark i'm gonna hunt that deer yeah there is a chance you, you get the right uh, conditions you know the weather's good you get a temperature drop or something but if i'm hunting a deer and i get nothing but nighttime pictures of them everywhere like no matter what i'm doing and i'm like one step behind them or one step ahead of them and he's doing something different than what i think he's doing i'll only play cow and mouse for so long and then i'll eventually say the hell with that deer uh -huh. and then i'll look for the next next mature buck you know what i mean i just in the end i want to take a really good representation of my area which here is a three and a half year old buck is a mature buck you know uh, there's better deer yes yep. but there's very few because of we before we talked on air there are more than harsh rifle seasons that we have in <laughs> <Pennsylvania>. oh yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's something that i i think it just all comes with maturing as hunters because i when I first really got into archery, I think it was 12, 12 years ago, but I, I loved it right off the get go, but I didn't, I was still treating it almost like rifle season. I went to the mm -hmm. same spot all the time. And then I start, I, I will not lie. I, I I'm very open about it. I fell into the social media trap of let's get on the fad of, of saddle hunting and, and public land. But I was, I didn't do the public land first. I did the saddle hunting and I was still using private property because I started seeing mobile hunting all across social media. And that's what it was. I mean, I was, I was getting skirted left and right. And it just, to me, I just always, well, I just, I just waited till rifle back then, you know, it was easy. Mm -hmm. And the last six years or so, I started really, really getting into it. And unfortunately that first year, second year that i really started getting into it i got a i got a probably 155 inch 12 point mainframe on on camera and i i dropped everything everything that was the only deer i wanted the only deer i cared about the only deer i was going to talk about and i got like a handful of pictures of them at between 11 45 and 2 30 in the morning and i didn't know enough to back away and say that deer's not that's not on my property and he's not killable and in the last i think six years that's the only year i have not filled a buck tag so that was the last year that i that i went after one specific <laughs> buck and and there was there was a couple very impressive ones this year and we we talked about the one that and i thought i talked about him before he but now he's dead he, he taped out to be just shy under 160 and he was on public he got killed on private next door but there was him and there was two other ones that i don't know if they got killed they were very impressive but where they were it was just so mm -hmm. so hard to hunt and it just i didn't think they were killable where they were i knew they would end up on the private and i the one he really he almost had me it was very close it wasn't even the 160 that had me there's a there was a there was a three beam buck and he had crab claw off his, his his third beam and he had a bunch of trash on one side and that deer he had me hook line and sinkered for for the first couple of weeks of season and i did everything i could do to locate him again and i had to swallow my pride and just say he won for now you know he won right now and and unfortunately i don't i got i got camera my sd card stolen from that property so I talk about it all, on almost every episode now, just so in case they're listening, they know that I'm talking. No, I'm still bitter <laughs> about it. I'm telling you, man, it it don't matter where your head's at before season. It only takes one picture of a freaking giant, and your whole mindset. You know, I mean, you're yeah, you're off somewhere else after that. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm guilty for that for sure. Um, 
I was pretty sure this season that I, that was going to be me. You know, I was just like, man, I'm just going to roll in the season and have a good time. And then wham, I got this giant on camera. And that's just all I've thought about. That's, I mean, I was the whole, the whole way, like, I mean, exactly like you said, the whole way until, well, the, 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 the one, I didn't even get pictures of him until second week of October. And at that point, that 160, I knew where he was at, but I never, I, the, where, where I knew he lived, you couldn't get to him without blowing him out because mm -hmm. he was pretty much living in, in water on a couple little islands. And at least where he was coming from, from, you know, where I was getting him on, on, on camera. But I had him in August and before season even started, I pretty much said I was going to try to throw a rut sit on him right on like the edge of, of where I thought he was at in the, in the, in the, on the private, private in public. And I just, I never, I never made a move on him and I, I was okay with that. And that was the hardest thing that, that, for people to understand that once I told them that I never even set on that deer, they're like, "What? Like, what are you talking about? That was a and he was by, by far the biggest deer I've ever had on camera." Mm -hmm. And I just, I just, I had to swallow my pride and say, especially this year with the, the new little one, I already knew I was going to pull the reins back a little bit, and it was, it was very hard to not just. You want to just drop your responsibilities for a couple of weeks and yeah. and just go and and do it, but man, it's that's why that's why I, as much as we we a lot of us complain about social media and YouTube, there are a lot of us still out here living living through those guys, like watching like the tagged out tour. Those guys is getting to hunt for a, like a hundred days and be live carefree. And that's yep. that's what you want to do when you see those bucks pop up especially like you said right at the right before season when you you thought you had your your head straight and, i'll tell you where i tell you where the turning table was for me as a in 21 when i ended up taking my biggest buck here in pa that was the most stressful season that i have ever been through in my entire life now you know it all it all played out but I tell you what, like a couple of days before I took that deer, uh, I was a mess. Like I was to the point where I was like, I wish, like I would hope somebody just kills this deer. So he's dead and gone and I don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. I was an absolute nutcase, like almost obsessive, mm -hmm. like in not a good way either. And I, I think that happens to a lot of guys and it, it gives some people a bad name. It, you could get yourself so wrapped up into a deer, you know, that it's just not even healthy. And oh. I'll be completely honest, man. That was me with that deer. Like I was like, if somebody would come in on me, I'm just like, Oh, son of a bitch, you know, but it's just like, now that I re reflect back on it, I try not to ever be that way because, uh, you know, if you're just doing the right things, doing what you should be doing, Right. I think things so things always work out for you if you just be yep. the better person. But yeah, man, that was like I never want to go through a season like that again. Uh, hey, it sounds awful similar to last year for me. It was up and down, up and down, up and down, and watching. Then you start watching the the pictures flow in from everybody shooting big deer in the first couple of weeks, and then it just it turned around just like that. It's Social crazy media up. can be the absolute worst influencer too. It can, but it also can be the best. I mean, we got we got a lot of knowledge out there, bringing a lot of new hunters, which is controversial to, to some people. You know, we already have too many, mm -hmm. blah blah blah, this and that, and it, yeah, we, we might, but they're only going to stick around for so long if they're not in it for the right reason. It's just like anything else. So, I think that we're 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 dealing with some crap right now with with an influx in, in numbers, but. I don't know. So that that buck you shot, uh, what was that? A couple of years ago, two, two, three years ago. That, what was it? He was like one fiftieth. I think we talked before about him. Yeah, he was uh, one one fifty seven and three eighths. Okay. Now, what what buck did you did you, shoot, you shot a buck the year after that? What's that? Did you shoot a buck? You shot a buck the year after that, then. Yeah, yeah, that was okay. last year. I shot a uh, like mid to high one twenties. 
Okay. And that's pretty much kind of not where I'm at, but where I'm at. Cause mine was low forties. And then this year, I mean, he was like maybe one fifteen. you know what I mean? <laughs> that was if he didn't break off his, his G three, but I got asked so many times and I just, I'm curious because you shoot your biggest buck. Did anybody come like, were you under a spotlight to, to certain people? Are you only going to shoot big bucks now? You know, are you putting every season on a pedestal? Because I feel like more people asked me that than almost then congratulated me last year, you know, face to face. Everybody on social media is going to, hey, good job, you know, congratulations. But guys, face to face, it was, it was almost more of, well, I bet you're a big buck hunter now and you're only going to shoot big bucks. Have you ever fell into that? You know, because we're being honest about, hey, that's what you have to be. You have to let it, you know, be open to, to we're all human so have you ever felt trapped to that as well like only one okay i shot a big buck i have to shoot big buck now i can't let anybody down social media is watching or billy down the road he shot a good one uh i feel, now i think for some people that um you know that might be their expectation of me and there's a lot that like revolves around this because, you know, I really had just stepped my foot in the door and uh, I don't know if you want to call it the hunting industry, whatever right. that yep. podcasts are a part of. Yeah. I had, I mean, I've done a good many in just a year's time, probably six or seven. And I had shot that. And you get put on like almost a pedestal. You, you, people almost expect you to shoot mm-hmm. that deer every year. Now, which which is all fine and good, you know. I mean, I, I like talking to people about hunting. Right. Some some people look at it different. They're just like, "Oh, he's showing off all blah." But it's just like if I get invited on, they're like, hell yeah, what's off deer hunting? Yeah. Why would you not? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And you know, I'd shot that deer a couple of years ago, and it's all people would just get so jealous. I I heard that I killed that deer. 10, 10 different ways that I didn't even know you could kill a deer. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's like I, I hit it with a car. I brought it from Ohio, and it's just like, whatever, man. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and I shot another good buck the next year, and now it's like, I probably do have a different expectation of me. But I mean, don't get me wrong, man. You send a good three three year old buck past me. It probably ain't gonna make it, you know what I mean? That's, that's exactly how I am. And I'm not gonna say I've ever killed monsters, but pretty much since I've started hunting, I was pretty I've been pretty successful on killing a good deer, a deer, you know, for, mm-hmm. for the area represent like you said, a good representation for my area and especially for the the pieces of uh private that I'm hunting. It's like seventeen acres that I that you can actually hunt. And I've killed most of my bucks on that one little chunk. And the landowner doesn't even hunt it because he says, he's like, I don't know how you do it because it's so hard to hunt because of the wind. It's just, it's almost straight up and down on one side and it's not very wide. Like, I just don't know how you do it. I said, I've been doing it for 18 years on the, on the same property. It's only 17 acres Creek bottom. I said, I got three spots picked out. I said, that little area, you just got to stick in those little areas and you'll be all right. But yeah. So here's, Here's a good um, example of what we were just talking about. So I, I had just I sat 70 sits before I killed this deer, this 150 in 2021. And it was the week before, uh, a couple of years ago, for a couple of years in a row, me and my dad and a bunch of buddies would always go to North Carolina for an outfitter hunt. And it's, you don't go down to kill giants or nothing. It's just yep. guys that get together. It's almost like going to deer camp and having fun. That's all it is. You shoot deer to eat food, and that's all it is. Yep. And I had just killed this, you know, top one percenter buck for Pennsylvania on public ground. And they're like, what the heck are you going to do now? I said, I'm going to go to North Carolina. And I said, I'm going <laughs> to shoot the shit out of some deer. I said, I don't know who you think you're talking to. <laughs> And I yeah, went down and I and I shot two deer that were like ninety to hundred inches, and I had yep. just as much fun. Uh huh. And that's what that's why I wanted to ask. I'm like, man, I know, I I knew you didn't shoot another one fifty right after that, and that's why this year. I mean, don't get me wrong, I wanted to shoot another hundred forty inch buck, but when I watched that buck come bumping that doe down the ridge through the bedding, I was thinking, uh, I it was almost like a relief. You know what I mean? 
it was almost like it was almost a relief that because like i said i i don't i'm not going to stay here and say i have a reputation for my area but certain mm-hmm. people in the area that hunt they knew that oh he always kills good deer he always kills good deer and they're always in the same area and it was like oh if i didn't shoot a good deer what was what were they gonna what, what was the local watering hole taught gonna be if, if all those guys shot one and, and charlie didn't shoot one you know, and I, I let it get to me there for a couple of years. And then I just, I, I started, I started honestly getting more into just learning deer and, and, and getting more addicted and involved in learning their, their movements and their, where they travel and why they travel. Because that was one thing that I know a lot of guys don't do. I didn't do it for years. I would see deer in the woods. And that's all I treated it as was I just saw deer in the woods. But now I'm paying attention to where every doe comes from, every spike comes from, what they're doing, why they're doing it. And and that is right there has definitely helped, I think, not just me. I know a lot of guys that that's just what social media is doing. I know I talk a lot about social media because it it drives me crazy sometimes. And I know I'm a part of it, but it's 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 hard finding good ones and bad ones out there and if you find the good ones anybody listening hook hold on to them whoever you know if you're following and and because it's hard to find the good ones to to follow and to learn yep. from and and chris i think you are you're definitely a good one i uh i've listened to a few of your podcasts before me and i and i was super excited when when you said you would come on and bs with me for a little bit so I just want to thank you again, man, for coming on. Uh, if anybody's looking to find you uh, on social media or anywhere, where can they do that at? Yeah, so I'm not on Facebook very much, um, but Instagram is uh, my main source of social media, and it's just unleashed the least. Great, man. Well, I appreciate coming on and and giving us a little bit of of honesty because it's good. To, it's good to get someone that that will come on and just be honest and expose himself a little bit and. And that's what I, I'm not afraid to tell people my mistakes and failures and, and stuff like that. So Chris, I, I appreciate you coming on and, and opening up and, and sharing some of your stories from this, the past year and past couple seasons and uh, everybody for tuning into another episode of origins of the Hunt podcast. And remember never stop learning.